Chapter thirty five of the Convict by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty five. There is a strange and curious difference between the light of morning and the light of evening. The same sun gives it, the same flood of glory falls through the skies, the same scene lies below, the same horizon sweeps around. It seems only that the light giver is at the one hour in the east at the other in the west and no sufficient cause appears for that extraordinary difference of hue in the air and over the earth it was morning and the soft early light was stealing gently over everything amongst the leaves of the trees through the breaks in the rocks down into the deep basin of the hills into the caverns of the lava along the smooth unruffled surface of the lake and charles dudley and edgar adelon were seated together upon the top of the bold crags which towered over the crater of the extinct volcano the whole scene was softened to their eyes a slight mist hung over the woody world on the one hand and profound shadows only broken here and there by the quiet morning ray lay in the deep abyss upon the other side it was a fit scene for such conversation as they were to hold and dudley with his head resting on his hands listened with eager attention to his young companion's words sometimes indeed interrupting him by a question but generally too intensely moved for any inquiry then she loves me still as deeply and devotedly as ever answered edgar and you have wronged her if you have doubted dudley never never murmured dudley but let me proceed said edgar adelon matters pursued this course for many months i recovered completely from the fever the trials of the rioters at barhampton took place and almost every man who underwent the ordeal was condemned men thought the government very lenient in not pressing a more serious crime upon them and banishment for life was judged a mild sentence i heard nothing of mr clive or helen and you can imagine dudley how my too eager and impatient spirit could bear such suspense i inquired of filmer i asked everybody connected with the farm but i received no intelligence the priest assured me that he was acting on mr clive's behalf without any authority or directions than those which he had received on that fateful night which brought so much misery along with it yet helen had promised to write and i never knew her to break her word my father though long detained in london returned at length to brandon it was after the trial of the rioters he added with a sad but meaning look and finding poor eda in the melancholy and desponding state which i have described he took her into yorkshire in order if possible to divert her mind from the subject on which her thoughts rested so painfully it was clear however to my eyes at least that he himself was neither well nor happy i guessed the cause but that is a part of the story dudley which i cannot enter into you may perhaps divine the whole but i cannot speak of it i took advantage of the change of our residence from brandon and obtained my father's consent to travel for some months on the continent he had no idea it is true why i went or what i sought but a suspicion had crossed my mind which as it proved was a just one what made it enter into my head i cannot rightly tell there are some things so like intuition 
that i can hardly doubt that the mind has greater powers than philosophers have been inclined to admit in this instance a perception of the truth flashed across me like a stream of lightning one day while i was conversing with filmer he said nothing it is true which could naturally give rise to the idea which presented itself the words were merely poor clive's long absence and whether it was the tone in which he spoke or the peculiar look with which the words were accompanied i know not but i asked myself at once is clive's absence connected with dudley's fate but tell me edgar said mr dudley did you ever suspect that mr filmer himself had laboured to deprive me of the proofs of my innocence never answered edgar eda suspected him i know but i always thought she was prejudiced i also suspected him but not of that i thought he had practised on me one of his pious frauds mr norris told me said dudley that he had certainly taken means to stop your communication with the only men who were likely to have the power of proving that i had quitted lord hadley at the exact spot where i asserted i had left him and walked on at once towards barhampton he did do so replied edgar and i discovered that he did but you must recollect i had been severely injured by a blow on the head and i attributed filmer's conduct to an anxiety on his part to prevent my exerting myself at a time when i was certainly unfit for it i was angry that he did so and i taxed him with it he boldly justified his conduct asked me if even the exertion i had made had not nearly killed me and then demanded what would the consequences have been had i made such exertion two days before this satisfied me dudley and never till that moment which i have just been speaking of did a suspicion of the truth cross my mind however if i had been anxious before to discover clive's residence i was now determined that i would do so and as soon as possible i set out upon the pursuit one of the men who had been tried for insurrection acknowledged that they had been supplied with arms from france brought over in a vessel chartered by the communists of that country at the port of nantes i knew it was the same in which mr clive and helen had quitted england and to nantes i accordingly went i had obtained every clue that i possibly could as to the proprietors of the vessel before i set out but my information aided me but little no effort i could make enabled me to trace those whom i sought i wandered all through brittany and la vendee and normandy and touraine but it was all in vain beyond the town of nantes itself i lost all trace and at length late in the spring of last year i returned to england my father and eda were by this time in london and filmer i found was absent in france i told eda all i had done i tried to console her with hopes of still establishing your innocence it was the only consolation the dear girl had for my father not judging rightly of her heart and mind was eager to dissipate her gloomy thoughts by forcing her into society his house was filled with people from morning to night but eda remained almost entirely shut up in her own room and would not go out to any public place or any party she never would believe that filmer had been really anxious for your safety and her doubts now affected me a new suspicion took hold of me although he had made a pretence to my father of very different business in france 
I suspected that he had gone to see Clive. And one day, when my father handed me over a letter of his, containing some interesting observations upon the state of France, there is no man more capable of making them, I examined carefully the postmark of the letter, and discovered the word Angers. In looking at the date of the letter, it was Tours. This was a discovery. He was deceiving my father as well as myself. But I brought no rash charges. I have grown wonderfully prudent, Dudley, and I would not even write to Clive till I was aware that Filmer had left him, if, as I suspected, he was at Angers with him. Another month passed, in impatient suspense, and my father threw out many hints of tours in different parts of Europe, which he thought might amuse Eda's mind. There were even preparations for travelling made, when suddenly Mr. Filmer again appeared amongst us. The very night after his arrival, I was informed by Sir Arthur that he intended to go to Italy, and thence by the Ionian Islands and Greece to Constantinople. Eda and Filmer were to be his companions, and my presence was looked upon as a matter of course. I was not even invited. It was taken for granted. But I was resolved not to go, at least at once, and therefore I took care to involve myself in engagements which could not easily be broken through. With one friend I laid a bet, a very heavy one, as to the result of three days' shooting on the moors. I promised my friend, Eldred, to be present at his marriage, and in fact I created for myself so many excuses that my father was obliged to own it would be necessary for me to stop and join the party afterwards at Naples. I could see Mr. Filmer's face change when he heard this arrangement, and a look of bitter gloom came upon it, which confirmed my former doubts. Without waiting for their departure, I at once wrote a letter to Clive himself, and addressed it, Angers. But I was now suspicious of everything. I took it to the post-office myself, and I told him to whom I wrote all that had befallen you, begging him to address his reply to a hotel in London. Day after day passed by. My father and the rest set out upon their tour, and I began to fancy that I had been mistaken, for no letter came. Then I determined that I would go over to Angers myself, and was sitting in the dining-room of my father's house, the only public room which had been left open, when he went abroad, gloomily pondering, both over my own fate and yours, Dudley, when I saw, on the opposite side of the street, a figure which instantly made me start up and hurry to the window. It was Clive himself, and he was gazing up at the closed windows of the house, thinking, as he told me afterwards, that there was nobody in town, and proposing to go down to Brandon in search of me. He had received my letter, and, as soon as possible, had come over in person, leaving dear Helen in France. I need not tell you now all the particulars of what followed, for we shall have plenty of time, I trust, to dwell upon details which will interest you much. It may be only necessary to say that the noble-spirited old man had been kept in utter ignorance of an act having been charged upon you, which he had himself performed, an act which in him was an act of justice, but in you might be considered as a crime. He told me that Helen had written to me often, and that although he had not seen what she wrote, he was sure that she had used such expressions as would have led me at once to perceive how Lord Hadley had met his death. "'How was it?' exclaimed Dudley, interrupting him. 
but i can guess i can guess go on edgar nay it is soon told answered edgar adelon on that fateful night clive had learned from mr norris the shameful persecution which my sweet helen had suffered from lord hadley and he was returning over the hills with a heart full of angry feelings when he heard a cry for help and instantly recognized his daughter's voice springing forward he found the villain dragging her down towards the seashore where he expected it seems to meet with a boat which would have carried them to france clive instantly struck him a furious blow lord hadley let go helen and returned it and another was given by clive only those three blows were struck but the third coming from mr clive's powerful arm dashed the unfortunate wretch back upon the railings at the top of the cliff the woodwork gave way and he fell headlong to the bottom thus took place the death of lord hadley and you have seen enough of mr clive yourself to be sure that it was not with his consent or knowledge that the deed was imputed to you as soon as he discovered from my letter that such was the case he came to give himself up and to clear you and as he knew little of the means to be employed in such cases he at first sought me at the hotel where i had ordered the letters to be addressed and was thence directed to my father's london house more by accident than by possessing any better information than his own i advised him to follow what as it proved was the best course he could have taken i felt sure that under the circumstances no evil result could befall him from the open confession of the whole which he proposed to make and i offered to go with him immediately to the secretary of state whom i know personally and tell him the whole facts he agreed perfectly to my views and we set off at once you know clive's straightforward almost abrupt way of dealing but in this instance it was understood and appreciated the secretary asked but few questions clive placed before him the letter which he had received from me and told him that it was the first intelligence which had been given to him of an innocent man having been accused and condemned for a deed which he had performed and that he had instantly come over from france to tell the whole truth the tale was so simple and clive's sincerity so clear that all doubts as to your share in the transaction were at an end the only question was how the case of clive himself was to be dealt with and the secretary determined to leave him at liberty till his daughter and a labourer at the grange named daniel connor could be brought to london upon his undertaking to appear whenever he should be called upon and to hold no communication in the meantime with either of the two who were summoned as witnesses in the end a full investigation took place at the secretary of state's office where a police magistrate of great keenness and discrimination was called upon to assist the examinations of helen and of daniel connor were conducted apart without either of them having seen mr clive helen told the story simply and exactly as her father had told it and the man after a momentary hesitation and some prevarication on being informed that clive had come over himself voluntarily to tell the whole tale confirmed every particular which had been previously stated his evidence was compared with that which had been given before the coroner's jury and at your trial and it was found that although he had evidently given a colour to the truth on those two occasions which left the jury to infer that you had committed the deed he had not actually perjured himself 
the intention however to procure your condemnation was so clear that it led to further inquiry for in every other respect the man seemed honest and well-meaning and the character that he bore in the country was exceedingly high his veneration and regard for clive did not sufficiently account for his conduct and on being severely cross-questioned he admitted that he had been prompted to give his evidence in the manner which you heard it given i am sorry to say that the prompter was one whose character and profession should have been the last to be sullied by such acts i can guess who you mean replied dudley but here comes norris himself and i should much wish to ask him one question upon this matter namely why he did not himself either tell you that clive had done the deed when you were seeking for evidence in my defence or give mr clive information of my having been tried and condemned though innocent while he was speaking norris came up and sat down beside them and as he did not answer although he must have heard part of what passed dudley addressed the question to himself he replied with a smile how ready all men are mr dudley to judge upon insufficient grounds you have jumped at the conclusion that i was aware of facts which had not in any way come to my cognizance i will not deny that i felt the strongest possible suspicion that my brother-in-law clive had killed lord hadley knowing the vehemence of his nature the warmth and tenderness of his love for his daughter and the gross insults and injuries she had received but i had no right to inform others of my suspicions and as to where clive was i never heard till yesterday i was sure however that wherever he was he would sooner or later do you justice indeed i do not know and cannot comprehend how the most upright and honest man that ever lived could suffer either by his act or neglect another to bear the imputation of a deed of his he was deceived answered edgar adelon he was kept without information he was made to believe that suspicion rested upon him and that if he returned to england he would bring a blight and a shadow upon his honourable name and a disgrace upon his child he knew not that dudley had ever been tried far less that he had been condemned and it is evident that helen's letters to myself were all intercepted and destroyed by whom demanded norris by the priest replied edgar ay i remember said norris thoughtfully there was a priest used to come down to the house one father peter they used to call him i never saw him but clive represented him as upright and elevated in character and mind he knows better now answered edgar for many of mr filmer's insincere proceedings have been now so thoroughly exposed that the blackest web of subtlety ever woven by the disciples of loyola cannot conceal their falsehood and their baseness filmer said norris thoughtfully is that the same man whom they call father peter the same replied edgar but to return to my tale dudley clive's straightforward tale and helen's clear and candid evidence backed by that of many of the servants at clive grange who were more or less aware of lord hadley's previous conduct towards her convinced the secretary of state that there was no ground for the crown proceeding against a man who had accidentally slain another in defence of his own child he left it to the relations of the dead man to act as they liked but upon a clear view of the evidence they were advised not to prosecute and thus ended the matter as affecting clive in regard to yourself 
a full pardon immediately passed the great seal and i have the strongest and most positive assurance in writing that everything shall be done as soon as you return to clear your reputation from the slightest stain i felt dudley continued edgar grasping his hand that your sympathy with me and your indignation of the base treatment of one i love had had a share at least in bringing so many misfortunes upon you and i determined at once to set out to seek you and bear you the happy tidings of your exculpation in person although helen might feel some anxiety for my safety and health during a long voyage and perhaps would have been better pleased as far as she was personally concerned had i remained in england she was far from trying to dissuade me and after seeing her and her father once more happily established at clive grange i set out for this distant land as soon as i could find a ship shortly before i departed i received a letter from my father who had journeyed as far as syria he expressed some surprise that i had not joined him and eda but doubtless added the young man with a smile he was more surprised still when my next letter informed him that i had sailed for australia i gave him no particulars nor assigned any reason for my going for i wished much dudley to leave you free to act in any way you might think fit and to consult with you upon my own future conduct as well as yours there is no probability of the tidings of clive's confession and your exculpation reaching my father from any public source as the examination was conducted privately and i made it a particular request both to helen and her father that they would not speak of the subject at all till my return i will not conceal from you that there are difficulties and dangers perhaps before us both prejudices of many kinds to be overcome ay and the skill and cunning of a subtle adversary to be frustrated i know him now and depend upon it he will never forgive the detection of his falsehood and baseness filmer said norris who had been meditating gravely for several minutes filmer father peter that throws fresh light upon the whole mr dudley i should like to speak with you for a few moments quite alone and afterwards we had better go to breakfast for this mountain air gives a keen appetite i must catch or shoot our breakfast first replied dudley unless you will content yourselves with some salt provisions which i have laid up here let us walk down to the lake together replied norris we can converse as we go and you can exercise your skill in angling while i give you some information that may be useful dudley willingly agreed and when he and norris rejoined the party above after an absence of more than an hour they brought with them plenty of fish and dudley's face bore an expression of thoughtful satisfaction as if his conversation with norris had added a new relief to that which the intelligence of edgar had afforded End of chapter thirty five